Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. We got some fun topics to talk about today as we head into the real heart of the offseason now that the draft is over and we are looking ahead towards the 2022 season. Uh, Matt, we're going to go ahead and get things started off with the most recent news. That is going to be the Jets coming joint practice with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, They're going to have a couple of days of joint practice on the 19th and 20th of August before their preseason matchup on the 22nd. Uh, This is good um, for competition. It's really hard when you're a player and you're going through camp and you're going against the same players over and over and over getting new reps against guys you haven't seen with different techniques and styles just keeps everyone fresh better overall for the season. Uh, Obviously, there's the injury concerns. I'm sure we'll touch on here in a minute from last year's joint practice. But Matt, what was your overall reaction to the uh, this news with the Falcons? Uh, I like it. Um, I, I liked it a little more last year when we were going up against Green Bay. Uh, and it gets the Eagles, because I think it really gave us a, a good barometer uh, of where this team was preseason. Uh, when we went up against Green Bay and the Eagles, it was widely mentioned that we were the inferior team on the field. Uh, yeah. It showed up rep after rep uh, that we were getting beaten. So it'd be nice that after the kind of offseason that we had, uh, to sort of go into one of these joint practices and really get a gauge on where they are and see if they actually have improved a little bit before we even get to any game scenarios. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, like you said, the, they struggled when they went against some of the better teams last year in their joint practice. Uh, and it was kind of a an indication that the team was still building and that one off season with Robert Sala wasn't going to completely flip things around and have them be ready to compete with some of the best teams in the league. But this should be a different situation. The Jets are a year older. They're a lot more talented than they were last year. They got some continuity in the system. Uh, and the Falcons are in the midst of a rebuild. Obviously, they're going to be without Matt Ryan for the first time and what feels like forever for them going into this season. Um, 
We'll see if they're breaking in Desmond Ritter as a rookie quarterback or if he's going to be competing with Mariota and Mariota is going to end up taking that job or however that shakes out. But this should be on paper a matchup in theory where the Jets should be the more talented team or at the very least that should be a lot closer and a lot more even of a matchup than it was before. So I think that's really good for not only their just getting out and going against different guys and getting reps uh, against a wide variety of talents, but it's good for confidence as well where if they can go into this joint practice and they're holding their own and they're looking like the reports are coming out saying the Jets are the better team, I think that's going to do a lot for them going into the season. Yeah, especially since this team beat us last year in the regular exactly. season. Uh, so it would be a notable improvement uh, if they actually go out there and look uh, superior to the, to the Falcons. But of course, the that lingering issue is the injuries that you noted before. Uh, it's just comes with the game it's a physical game people are gonna get hurt uh and it's unfortunate and it's even more unfortunate when it comes when it doesn't matter during practice uh during the off season it's it's probably gonna happen again i can probably bet on somebody getting hurt it's just a matter of who really um and i really hope that we can make it through this entire off season as a whole never mind just these joint practices uh with as few injuries as possible because really that's going to be the key to sustainable success this season is keeping everybody healthy everybody on the same page uh and everybody will gel around each other because of that uh from the wide receivers to the quarterback the offensive line and the quarterback uh in the running game and, and the offensive line everybody flows through each other and the best way to do that is to keep everybody healthy uh so will the coaches and management be uh throwing down a directive saying hey let's take it easy with some of these guys that are that are really important to us maybe uh put them on a snap count uh we got Lawson coming back from his big injury I probably don't expect him to even show up <laughs> or maybe he'll just be uh, in, in shells and won't actually uh, be doing any pads practices. He can uh, be there in spirit. Exactly. Uh, so I could definitely see them uh, really uh, coming uh, approaching our stars with kid gloves and uh, putting them in a bubble. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, we've already heard Robert Sala speak a little bit about this um, after the draft had wrapped up and he was doing some of his media tours where he was asked about the injuries last season. And it was a huge problem for them throughout the offseason and in the regular season and up all the way all the way until the final game of the season where Zach Wilson was throwing to nobody uh, up in Buffalo. So this is going to be a a new way of doing things for them. They're not in, um, requiring nearly as much contact. They're trying to get a lot more rest and stretching and mental reps in early uh, and not really try and squeeze in as much physical intensive work as they can. Uh, and I, it's directly a counter to how things went last season. And that is one thing that I really love about this coaching staff and this front office and the organization and who's running it right now is they are very, very quick to change their process if they don't think it's working. They're not set in their ways. They're not a, this is how we do it. And this is how we're always going to do it. And regardless of how things happen, the jets tried to go into last season with a very concrete plan um, for health and keeping their players healthy and nutrition and workouts and all of that being synced. And I praised that last year when I heard Robert Sala talk about the system, because I thought it was a good system. And I still think so. I think you just had bad luck with injuries this year. And so now continue building your good system of player health, 
hopefully have some better injury luck. And even then they're going out of their way to make adjustments to their process and try and improve the overall health of the team. I think it's going to do a lot for them, but I agree. There's no reason we need to be seeing our best of the best players, specifically our defensive linemen or linemen in general, really getting in too many fights or too many scrums uh, in these joint practices because they don't matter for anything. And at the end of the day, it's a lot more important that those guys are there for the season. And I'm sure they'll be doing enough training outside of those practices to where it's not like missing those practices is going to make or break their, their years, their careers or anything in between. So overall, uh, I like this idea. I think it's going to be good for them. Um, I'm definitely with you that we need to be mindful of injuries, but I don't think that just because we had, you know, a, a bad time last year and we had a pretty bad situation happen with Carl Lawson. I don't think that should scare us outright of never trying to do a joint practice again. Practices, practice, this is a violent game. Anything can happen regardless of whether you're with another team or not. So for the overall betterment of the Jets, I like this a lot. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, Matt, specifically with these practices, is there any matchups in particular that you're excited to watch? Um, well, not really matchups, I guess, because the the Falcons are a lot more uh, stripped down than they were last year. Uh, like we, we, we mentioned quarterback. so. They don't have the wide receivers, really. Uh, but they do have pits. Uh, I'd like to see l- how London does, uh, just because we haven't really seen him in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- I'd like to see him against uh, our cornerbacks, uh, maybe him against Sauce. That would be a nice matchup. Uh, I think uh, their size and physicality uh, would be a nice matchup with each other. Uh, their defensive line and our running backs and our offensive line uh, together. Uh, I'd like to see that, see uh, how, how they're uh, meshing up front to see if they can uh, really push the push the pile and, uh, and get those chunk yards. Um, that's about it. Yeah, no, um, I love all those that you said. Uh, Sauce and Drake London is one that I didn't even think of, but I think that would be a really, really fun one to watch. A um, couple ones that I had. One, I'm really excited to see Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore against A.J. Terrell, um, the Falcons wow. corner because he's had a really, really good season last year. He's one of the better corners in the league. At least he was last year. Um, And for a guy like Terrell, he's a lot bigger, longer, more of a press corner. That's a tougher matchup for guys like Wilson and Elijah Moore if they can't beat them quick off the line and they can't get into a part in their route where they can shake them with their quickness. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys handle some physicality. Um, so I really think that's going to be good for Garrett Wilson in particular to where before he has to go out in a real game and go up against, you know, some really good corners that the Ravens have, you get this guy in practice to go against an AJ Terrell to give you a taste of what the league is going to be like. I think that's going to be really good for him. Um, after that, you had alluded to it and I thought you were going to steal it from me, but you didn't. And I'm really glad you didn't Kyle Pitts versus Quincy Williams, because mm. I think this is going to be a great test of how Quincy Williams has progressed mainly in coverage. Uh, Pitts is one of the harder coverage assignments for anybody in the NFL with his size and speed. So if Quincy can hold his own against Kyle Pitts, I think that's going to say a lot uh, and be a really good sign for the future. And the last one I had, Again, trying to see players progress and, and how things with the team are going to be moving on. I want to see Elijah Vera Tucker against Grady Jarrett because there was a couple of times when they played last year that Grady Jarrett got him good uh, and he was able to get some quick pressure on Vera Tucker in that London game. So I want to see if maybe now second time they're going against each other. You've had some time to grow if you're Vera Tucker. I want to see how he handles that. 
Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we really want to see some growth uh, from these second-year guys. Uh, Vera sure. Tucker, Carter, uh, both Carters. Uh, yeah, it, it, they, they all had their little uh, uh, welcome to the NFL moment last year where they were thrust into starting roles. Uh, so, yeah, this year we, we really want to see that, that step forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's all about improvement and continuing to stack improvement and not being stagnant. Uh, we think we laid a good baseline overall last year. We think a lot of these players put out some good things on tape and make us hopeful for the future. But now it's time to take the next step. It's as simple as that. All right, Matt, let's get to the main topic of the week. Obviously, the joint practice was, you know, the biggest actual news in regards to the team, but it was not the biggest news in regards to everyone's thoughts and opinions of the fan base, at least on Twitter for what we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, and days. And that has been the discussion over Zach Wilson. Um, obviously the Jets and Jets fans are very hopeful for this coming season and rightfully so they had a great draft. They had a great free agency period. Their coaching staff seems to be heading in the right direction. There's continuity, you know, explosive playmakers all over on both sides of the ball now. And so you're sitting looking specifically at this offense and you're seeing all of this talent now that they haven't had before. You're going to have a year or two Elijah Moore, like we talked about, Garrett Wilson as well, uh, who I mentioned. You got Brees Hall in the backfield now, who's an explosive, dynamic home run hitter to go with those two other guys at receiver that can take the top off people. You got Michael Carter still. The tight end room has been completely rechanged. We have an improved offensive line where every spot should be filled with a guy we're expecting to be at least top half in the league at their position. You know, this is a, a really good offense on paper. And the one thing that really might get in the way of that could be Zach Wilson in year two and how he progresses. So, Matt, I really want to hear your opinion. What did you think of just the discourse in general and kind of how it started? And what are your personal opinions on Zach and how he can grow? Well, I guess it all started with uh, who was it, Brady Quinn, I guess. Yep. Uh, was saying that he really doesn't like uh, Zach and he sees us. Uh, maybe going over before the buy. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I've seen some other people say this, like, yeah, if you don't like Zach, yeah, it's very easy to see us uh, to do very poorly in, in the first uh, half of the season. Uh, but if you're a fan of, of Zach, then yeah, it's a, a lot easier to see us winning three or four games uh, and going into the weaker uh, portion of the season with some wins under our belt. Um, so I think there is... A disconnect with, and there usually is in the offseason ar around this time, uh, every team's fans are really excited, mostly, usually. Uh, they feel like they've made some great improvements, uh, and everything is pointing up. Nothing can go wrong. But the thing is, things usually go wrong. Things don't always look as they seem in the offseason. Uh, even though, yeah, everything you mentioned there that we improved, offensive line, weapons, uh, everything around him has really improved. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he will improve. Uh, now, that doesn't mean he's going to regress or anything like that. Maybe he just stays the same, stays inconsistent. Uh, and if that happens, uh, his, his progress will, will struggle. His production will struggle. And it might keep us off out of the win column. Uh, not saying this will happen. I am very hopeful that he will take a step in the right direction, but it is far from guaranteed. Uh, and I just like to prepare people for these things. 
uh, where the possibility of him not improving to the point where uh, everybody sees him, right? I feel like everybody's looking at him. They've already anointed him the savior and they think that no wrong can happen this year, but that's never the case. uh, And with Zach included. So I always like to to praise caution in these situations Uh, because as Jets fans, we've seen way too much. We've felt too much pain over the years, uh, getting too excited about something and then having it come crashing down around us. Uh, so I've abandoned, I, I, I haven't abandoned hope, but I've abandoned the notion that everything's going to be peachy keen because of something great that's happened in the off season. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, obviously, like I was saying earlier, it's the time of op- uh, optimism. It's the time of blinded hope quite honestly. Uh, and when you have such a good offseason like the Jets did, there's reason to be hopeful. There absolutely is reason to expect growth from Zach Wilson and look at all the things around him and say, how could he not perform? But you were alluding to it. And you're 100% right. He himself still has to improve. And so I think this is going to be a situation where it'll be really easy for me, at least, to tell whether Zach Wilson is making the next step or not. And for me, it's as simple as is the team carrying him and pulling him along or is he helping to lead the team, dig them out of holes if they get into it and maximize all of this talent around him? Um, the guys over on the Move the Sticks podcast, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks have said for years, then talking about quarterbacks, are you a truck or a trailer? Meaning, are you having to be pulled or are you doing the pulling? To me, that's exactly what this next season is going to be about. Where, And maybe I'm alone on this. Maybe I'm in the minority because I've seen the the get too high of Jets fans and hope for the future. But until Zach Wilson proves that he can maximize all of this talent, I'm waiting to see it. I'm not at a point where I'm sitting here 100% convinced that he's going to be the future and everything is going to work out and the Jets are going to have you know, a Super Bowl under uh, under their belt within a couple of years and Zach will be leading the team. That would be fantastic. I'd love every second of that, but I don't know if I've seen enough out of him right now to say, oh, yes, for sure, that is going to be the case. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I like the improvements that we've made. I think he's going to have more help around him, and I do think that that did affect him and make things more difficult for him last year. I also think being a rookie is just difficult, and you're learning a new offense. You're gelling with new coaches. You're in a new place. All the different things that come with being a rookie, that is going to be gone. And so for me, it's, that should be an improvement, but it's also, that's an expectation. Now you don't have the rookie excuses anymore. You don't have the, Oh, it's a new, a new playbook, or I'm still getting used to the receivers or a new area adjusting to the speed of the game. That's all gone for me. So I want to see a command of this offense. I want to see the comfortability that I saw at BYU in him that I really, really liked about him. And that regardless of what was going on around him, he was calm, functional, his brain was always working and he would never had that, that Sam Darnold stare. You know what I'm talking about, Matt? Seeing ghosts, seeing ghosts or, or where you could literally watch him in the middle of a drop back processing what's going on and just coming up with just a, a monkey clang and symbols. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I didn't see any of that out of Zach at BYU. And you saw some of it in his first couple of games 
and the pros. And we really didn't see any of it towards the end of the year. So going into this season, stay in command of the offense. Don't look like a deer in the headlights. Maximize the talent around you. And don't be the reason the team is held back. I, I think it's it's pretty simple as that. If the Jets are, are not a very good team this coming season, it's probably because Zach Wilson didn't take the next step and he's holding them back because they have a boatload of talent. They have quality players up and down the roster in key positions and in, and less than key positions. This is a good team. This team is ready to start winning now. And if their quarterback isn't, they may not be able to wait. Yeah, uh, it's I, I, I look at it like this. I think that we can win if he's a trailer and not a truck. Uh, but I don't think we can really go far if he stays like that. Yeah. Uh, I think towards the end of last year, he showed that he can be a trailer uh, and also not be the reason why we're losing. He from his early games uh, with a touchdown to interception ratio, of uh, four touchdowns to nine interceptions later in the season, it was five touchdowns to two interceptions. So he's shown that he can improve uh, his ball security. Uh, but just that, that's probably about the biggest uh, shift when it comes to his numbers uh, from the early part of the season to the end. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people feel like there was notable improvement elsewhere when there really wasn't. His accuracy was pretty much the same. His yards per game got worse. Yep. Uh, so, and a lot of that also has to do with the talent around him, of course. Uh, but it's not, it, again, it's just something we haven't seen yet. And if we haven't seen it, then we shouldn't be banking on it. Uh, but the being able to take care of the ball, that's that's one thing. Uh, that I think should be very valuable going into this year where he won't be the reason why we're losing. Uh, and But that's also because of how they were using him then. They weren't really asking him to attack downfield. Uh, he was asked to work on his short game, and he did notably improve on his short game. Uh, before his injury, I believe he's bouncing passes multiple times every game. I think he cut that down as the season went on after he came back from his injury. Uh, so just getting the short game, taking what's offered to him by the defense, uh, will go a long way in protecting the ball and just being an efficient uh, quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is a really important aspect of the game because you want to keep your offense on schedule. You want to limit turnovers is the biggest number one aspect of that is not giving the other team the ball back and taking the opportunity away from your offense. Um, this is the thing for me though. You were talking about his numbers and how we saw an improvement of Zach Wilson overall in our heads. We thought he was more accurate. We thought he was more decisive. We thought he was making better decisions. He wasn't being as uncomfortable. He wasn't having those, those moments of, I don't know what to do. And then a lot of times he was, and his touchdown to interception and interception ratio uh, is definitely a big reflection of that. But you know what that also says to me, Matt, that says he was trying to be a game manager. Yep. That says that he was trying to be not too aggressive, that he was trying to very much stay in control of the game and not lose the game for them. He didn't go out and win it, but he wasn't going to be the reason they lost. 
I want to see Zach Wilson go out and win some games. I want to see Zach Wilson be aggressive, be the explosive downfield vertical passer that he was at BYU that made him the second overall pick in the draft. The Jets didn't draft him to throw checkdowns. The Jets didn't draft him to, to throw five-yard stick routes to, to CJ Uzama 17 times a game. They drafted him to be an explosive, dangerous, serious threat of a quarterback among guys like an Aaron Rodgers or a Pat Mahomes or a Josh Allen or or in a lesser to a lesser extent a Lamar Jackson, where those mobile, strong-armed guys that can make a play from anywhere on the field and force you as a defense to defend every blade of grass. We haven't seen that ability outside of one game for him. And it was the Tennessee game. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of BYU Zach Wilson. I don't want to just see game manager Zach Wilson. I want to see him take over games. I want to see him be aggressive, use his talent, and not have that end in interceptions or not have that end in punts. Let's use all this talent this guy has and let's make something out of it. Because if if Zach Wilson's only way to succeed is to being a game manager, the Jets are going to have a new quarterback in a couple of years. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Uh, if we all we wanted was a game manager, uh, we probably could have had Sam Darnold with this yeah. offense. With the, could this have took Mac Jones room. or two. Could have taken Mac Jones, and we would have been probably in the same spot. So, yeah, I agree. We need more from him uh, because, yeah, it might be enough to win eight to nine games a year, maybe make it into the playoffs, but will it get us where we want, which is a Super Bowl? Probably not. Not when you have to go against the gods of the AFC. All these incredible super quarterbacks that are floating around this conference. It's it's a, it's a minefield of, of talent that we need to make our way through. And the only way you fight fire is with fire. Uh, and Zach needs to find that fire. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. I, I genuinely, deep down in my heart, think that he will improve I'm trying not to have any rose colored glasses or be blinded in optimism. Just looking at it as objectively as I can. This is the first time in, I can't even remember when a jets quarterback who had an offensive coordinator as a rookie is going to have that same offense coordinator in his second year. I think that is hugely, hugely important that he is not going to having to be learning another new offense, that he's just going to continue to build on what he already knows and things are going to start to become second nature for him. I think that's really going to help with his comfortability and help allow him to become that BYU Zach Wilson that he was, where if he's comfortable in his scheme, he's comfortable in his offense. He's not having to think about where his guys are going to be or what play he's going to be calling or the verbiage or anything like that. And he can just go out and play. That's when he's at his best. When when he is just in the zone and he is able to just see what's happening in front of him and react more so than think, that's the best Zach Wilson you can get. So I really hope that continuity is going to be a big help. The improvement with the offense around him, offensive line, tight ends, receivers, running backs, every other every single spot on this offense got better to help Zach Wilson this offseason. So I'm I'm hopeful. And even if he doesn't take a massive, massive leap. I think he will take enough of a leap for the Jets to be competitive. And at the end of the day, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be the reason the Jets don't win games this year, at least not 
over and over and over and over. I really don't think he is going to hold them back to the point of needing to be talked about like he's holding them back. Agreed. Yep. Hopeful, but cautious. All right, Matt, let's wrap things up here. Uh, We're going to talk about a couple possible free agent additions. Uh, Only a few of them have some actual official news. Other ones we're just going to throw out as names that we like that we think would be interesting. Uh, But we got a handful of different uh, free agents still available. Obviously, we know the summer is not a dead time for Joe Douglas. He added Morgan Moses uh, at the end of May last year, uh, right around training camp. We all saw how that worked out because he ended up starting most of the season at right tackle after Mekhi Becton went down and pretty much saved the Jets offensive line from being a complete and total disaster to still somewhat serviceable for most of the season. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see the guys they've had uh, the options to add. The two biggest names right now are Quan Alexander, who is the former Saints and Buccaneers linebacker. Uh, I also think he was in San Fran not too long ago, if I'm remembering correctly, as well as Larry Ogunjobi uh, of the Browns and was supposed to be the Cincinnati Bengals, or wasn't the Bengals. He was supposed to be on the Bears, failed the physical, and then became available after that again, after the physical didn't allow his contract with Chicago to go through. Both of these guys, I think, I think have visits. If not, I know Ogunjobi did for sure. Uh, and they're in contact with Quan Alexander. Um, either of these players, Matt, go ahead and pick which one you want to start with. Who do you think uh, would would they or would they not be solid additions? Um, I would say Ogunjobi is probably the best addition of these two. Um, he kind of fits in with the philosophy that uh, JD and Sala have really kind of instilled on the interior of this uh, defensive line. Uh, going into the draft, we thought that we would be looking at a at more of a, a run stuffer, somebody that can be a bona fide uh, starter uh, and really hold their own against the run. And they sort of went against that. Uh, they're kind of doubling down on the we want to beat you with our pass rush. Uh, and Ogajobi really fits that mold. Uh, he is a bona fide pass rusher from the inside. He was tied for ninth in sacks last year uh, with eight of them. Uh, he has what it takes to, to be uh, probably what we thought Rankins would be last year. Uh, yeah. So I, I would probably even cut Rankins and then just sign Ogajobi uh, if, if this is the, the route they want to take. Uh, I think uh, it's a solid depth piece. Um, and I believe we, we needed more depth because behind – uh, Quinnen and Frank Myers. I really didn't see much there as far as depth. I see a lot of guys that might be cracking the very end of, of other teams depth charts, or if maybe not even making it at all. So I, I, I just don't trust our depth outside uh, with what we have right now. And with love Ogan Joby. Yeah, I agree. I would absolutely love Ogan Joby. Um, I agree. Cut Rankins and just slide him in in his spot for wherever he would fit in. The Jets need interior defensive linemen. We said it before the draft and they didn't draft anybody. That hasn't changed. They they still need some more bodies uh, to round out the depth on that interior. They have so many edge rushers right now. They have so many freaking edge rushers. It's almost ridiculous where I think they have 17 total defensive linemen on their roster right now, and probably 13 of those are edge rushers, if not close to it. 
So they really need some other bodies on the interior. I think Ogunjobi would be a great fit. Uh, he fits the system, like you had said, as more a little more of an undersized penetrator, guy who can play uh, in a three-tech, maybe somewhat of a shade one, but not necessarily where you want him every single play. Uh, it's just another guy to get after it and to create havoc up front. That's what Sala wants, and that's what the guys he looks for are always going to do. So, yeah, I'm right there with you uh, with Ogunjobi. I think it would be a home run. Quan Alexander is interesting for me because I almost feel like he'd be more valuable off the field than on it because he is a, from all accounts that I've heard from Sala himself, as well as other coaches that I've seen been around him, he's an absolutely fantastic presence in the locker room. Excellent leader, excellent worker, guy that's going to be beloved by his teammates, going to be there for his teammates. Just uh, one of those guys that you need on your team that's going to keep and right the ship and just be a good player for everyone to look around and, and look up to. I think that's going to be, I think that would be really important as well as how that would affect, like I was alluding to earlier, Quincy Williams. And I think that anything that we can do as an organization to improve this investment into Quincy Williams, just keep making this a better, a better deal. As good as he can get out of being a, a waiver wire pickup uh, at the beginning of the season, I, I'm I'm really hopeful that with his talent, with the coaches we have, that he can improve. And if you add Quan Alexander into the mix, I think that's a guy who can teach him firsthand along with CJ Mosley and really give some some depth in the locker room as well as on the field. I, I like both of these guys a lot. I'd really like both of them on the team. Not just uh, Quincy. We have a lot of youth. Uh, at linebacker when Sherwood comes back and uh, Nazuddin, uh, we have a lot of guys that could really uh, use some some tutelage. Uh, and with CJ there and and Quan, that'd be a nice sandwich of of uh, guidance uh, for these young guys. Uh, but one guy that hasn't been mentioned uh, in relation to to the Jets right now is Akeem Hicks. Uh, from the Bears. I think that the Bears were really trying to bring him back, uh, but it sounds like very recently things have deteriorated there. Uh, so Hicks might be on the table, and we might be seeing his name uh, mentioned with the Jets soon, uh, who I think would probably be better than all than both of the guys we just mentioned. Uh, I think he more aligns with what we thought we needed along this defensive line, uh, a more all-around guy, a guy that can get after it, uh, in pass rush, but also be a stout run defender. Uh, he could be that bona fide starter next to Quince, uh, next to Quinnen, uh, because we do a lot of rotation along this defensive line. Even Quinnen only played sixty percent of snaps last year, so we need guys that can that have starting experience, that have starting talent, uh, and Hicks fits that. Yeah, he absolutely does. Um, quite honestly, I am very, very surprised Akeem Hicks is still an available free agent and that another team, as soon as it didn't seem like he was going back to Chicago, that another team didn't come banging down his door because uh, he is a, a very, very talented player. One of those guys that was underrated for so long and then everyone knew he was underrated. So he kind of got like a slightly overrated because everyone kept saying how underrated he was. And so people then stopped talking about him. And so now he's underrated again because no one isn't talking about him, but he's still just as good as he always was. Um, Akeem Hicks is one of my favorite players in the league, like flat out, just guys to watch in terms of how they play. I absolutely love Akeem Hicks. He is pound for pound. One of, if not the strongest dudes in the whole NFL, uh, just 
raw power to throw guys off of him in the run game, stack and shed. And then when he gets under people with his pass rushing and a bull rush, it's, it's literally like a forklift there. He's going to get up under and they're moving. So I would love it from that aspect. However, there's a handful of things that make this maybe unlikely. First things first is age. He's 32 right now. He'll be 33 uh, in the middle of the season. And for a player of his caliber, he would likely not be signing, you know, a no-name vet minimum deal. He'd probably be asked commanding some decent money. So if you were to sign him, it's almost guarantee you're cutting Rankins. He'd probably make more than Rankins. So you're investing a little bit into an older player. The Jets seem to like to angle towards youth and fill in some veteran spots here and there to round out the roster. But I think if they, I think he might be a little past their prime age-wise. On top of that, this would be a completely new scheme for him and something that he has not played in in a very long time, uh, if ever, to my knowledge, where in Chicago, he's usually a 3-4 defensive end. Uh, Not that that's too different. It's still an interior defensive lineman, but the roles and what they're asked to do uh, in terms of being a defensive tackle in a 4-3 or a defensive end in a 3-4 are very, very different. 3-4 defensive ends are a lot pretty much the opposite of Robert Sala defensive lineman, where instead of penetrating and trying to shoot gaps and create havoc, they're more about holding their own, keeping their gap integrity and and more kind of taking up space and plugging holes so that players around them and behind them have the freedom to come through untouched. So Akeem Hicks would have to transition to a scheme that isn't quite as familiar to him. Um, And then you factor in his age and last but not least, you factor in his injuries where he's been up and down with injuries the last handful of years, played in nine games last year, which is not a a nothing amount, but you would still like to see close to a full season. Those three factors, I think, are going to keep this from happening. But without those three factors, adding Akeem Hicks at this point in the year would be a, a million times better than adding Morgan Moses was at this point in the year last year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's not signing with the Bears for a reason. I have a feeling it's because of money uh, and the bears probably don't want to throw that much money at him at this point in his career. Uh, So either some other team will, or he's going to have to accept a a lower number. Uh, Which one comes first? I I truly don't know. No, I don't know either. Like I said, I was, I was really surprised that he was even still available. So, so maybe he's recovering from an injury and we're not quite sure about that. And maybe that's holding things up. Um, but yeah, this is going to be uh, an interesting one to monitor because take away age and potential money and injury risk and scheme fit, which I honestly think scheme fit might be the least big of an issue. Take away those and add Akeem Hicks to this, this defensive line. Holy smokes. That is a serious, serious group. I would very much like to see it. Um, next guy on, on the list here, let's talk about Daryl Williams, uh, was the starting right tackle for the Bills, who was released this offseason, um, still unsigned as a free agent. Jets do need some tackle depth. They drafted Max Mitchell, so we're hoping that he can fill in that spot. But trusting that to a rookie, I think, might be wishful thinking because we are still one offensive tackle injury away from Max Mitchell having to start. Um and so I think having another guy in in the building as depth would be really, really important. Uh, Daryl Williams has had plenty of starting experience. He played really well for the Bills last year. Um, they're more of a a power, uh, a high passing power 
passing attack offense. So he was doing a lot of pass blocking. Their run concepts aren't quite the same as what the Jets do, but I don't think he'd be incapable of pulling them off. And as a depth piece, I think he could do a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, my only concern is that he's really only played right tackle. Uh, yeah. And I think we need a guy that has some swing experience, uh, which is why I'm kind of favoring a guy that's played on the Jets before, uh, has kind of had uh, an up and down career, uh, to say the least. Uh, Brandon Shell, uh, who once he's left the Jets, kind of found a nice little niche spot for him in Seattle. The old post gaze effect. Right. And then all of a sudden he springboards himself into this nice little career. Um, and he has uh, that, that swing experience as well. So I wouldn't mind bringing him back. I'll, and in the end, I want somebody with starting experience and somebody that won't be a complete liability on the field if he's called upon. Uh, and I think uh, he fits the bill and he probably won't cost as much as Darrell Williams also. No, probably not. Uh, he's also, I actually think he's a little bit younger, maybe by a year or so too. So that would definitely be uh, a big help. I'd be all for it. Um, any tackle depth they want to add that has starting experience and isn't going to be a turnstile, like you said, I'm all for Um because the offensive line gets hurt every year. And regardless of any improvement Zach Wilson does on his own, he won't make any second year leap if no one blocks for him. It's as simple as that. Oh, I lied. He has only played right tackle. All right. So he doesn't fit my mold uh, or my, uh, he doesn't check all the boxes for me. He but... trained at left tackle on the jets though. I know he that did. for a fact. Yeah. So, so he's, he's, he may not have played on the left side, but he's trained on at both. All right, last couple of guys here. We have a handful of interesting names of players that are unsigned. I'm going to run through the last list of four or so. Matt, I'll let you go ahead and pick which one you want to highlight more, uh, and we'll go from there. We got Sheldon Richardson, uh, Richardson another former Jet, um, bounced around the league most recently with the Vikings. Uh, another guy who's built a pretty solid career for himself overall and would be some added depth on the interior that we talked about before. Um, noted Jets villain Anthony Barr. Uh, is still a free agent, also from the Vikings. Um, for those that don't remember, a couple of years ago in free agency, it was reported that Barr was all set to sign a massive contract with the Jets. Uh, it was going to join along C.J. Mosley. They were both going to be signed at the same uh, free agency in the same offseason. And 12 hours later, Anthony Barr changed his mind and decided that he didn't want to go to New York and he instead wanted to stay in Minnesota. Well, it seems like the Vikings don't even want him right now, and he's still unsigned. So maybe we could get some poetic justice, kind of reunite things, and Anthony Barr could come back to New York as a depth piece at linebacker. Another depth piece, uh, two depth pieces at linebacker is the last two options. K.J. Wright, uh, we have Seattle ties, also was with the Raiders last year or two. I think maybe just this last year. Knows Robert Sala very well, knows the system itself very well. Uh, another guy that could come in and teach our young players, be another leader to go with CJ Mosley. And last but not least, Landon Collins, uh, former safety, converted to linebacker, played a little bit of linebacker when he was in Washington. Um, Collins himself doesn't sound like he wants to be too much of a linebacker, but maybe if that's the only offers he gets, he'd be a little more willing to take it. Uh, we got some interesting names still available. Uh, Matt, who? which one of those do you want to highlight next? Uh, probably KJ Wright. Uh, like we said, he's got the experience in the system, has the familiarity with the coaches. Uh, I like what he brings to the table. Uh, we were saying with Quan, how he probably brings more off the field than on the field. I would say KJ probably brings a little bit more on the field. Uh, and in the end, that's probably where we need it the most. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't, it doesn't hurt that he has the experience also. 
so I don't think he will be uh, a detriment when it comes to teaching the younger players. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I, I think uh, he is on the older side. He's about he's almost 33, probably 33 by the start of the season. Uh, so he's got that going against him. But at the same time, we're talking depth here, and I, I like what he brings to the table as far as depth. Yeah, me too. Um, when like when you're talking depth, you're never going to get perfect, you know, situations. Uh, expecting to have you know a young, talented, uh, everything it works out, perfect guy to slide in as a backup that could you know fill in as your starter, and you wouldn't skip a beat. If that was available, those guys wouldn't be backups; <laughs> they'd be starting yep. for other teams. So um, you could do a lot worse than KJ Wright. I would be all for it. I love the fit. Um, Mentally, like I said, knowing the scheme with Robert Sala for so many years in Seattle, um, this is he could probably teach the scheme just as good as, as Sala or Ulbricht could. And having another guy like that in the locker room would be really important. Um, the guy I want to talk about is Sheldon Richardson, because I think this could be a sneaky good sign if this were to happen. I think Sheldon Richardson is a better fit for the Jets defense now than they what than he was when they drafted him in 2013, oh, yeah. where the Jets, like I was talking about earlier, were a 3-4 team back then. And they drafted Sheldon Richardson to be a defensive end in a 3-4. And he played perfectly fine at it. He didn't have any issues. He won defensive rookie of the year. Uh, so he's he had the talent. The issue was that it wasn't maximizing his talents. Coming out of Missouri, Sheldon Richardson was very much a, a Sheldon Rankins similar type of player uh, where he was a little undersized, but very quick, very explosive, able to knife his way through gaps and penetrate. And we've seen him go to systems throughout the league where that's more of what they asked him to do specifically in Cleveland and Minnesota. And he played really well. Yeah, he was, he was solid in both of those spots. Um, huge parts of those defensive lines. I think he's a solid run defender too. I don't think this is a liability in that aspect at all. Um, it would be really kind of interesting to see him come back to the team after this long um, and be of all the players of that 2013 draft class to be one of the few that's actually still in the league, getting things done to come back and join the team. Now I think would be interesting, but I really like it from a depth uh, from a depth angle. He's younger than Sheldon Rankins. I think I'll have to double check that off the top of my head, but even if 31, okay. So they're roughly the same age. Uh, give or take the same age. And I think right now Sheldon Richardson's a better player. So I think you can upgrade over Sheldon Rankins uh, and get the better Sheldon uh, and give me another reason to continue using uh, my plankton from SpongeBob Sheldon uh, gift that I made seven years ago for <laughs> Richardson and just continue to be using it. Uh, Cause the jets need a Sheldon on their team. It's just, it's just nature. It's facts. <laughs> I mean, uh, despite the fact that he probably should have done better in a system more like our own. I'm looking at the numbers here. He kind of did his best work while on the Jets being used in a 3-4, uh, which is kind of surprising. Uh, minus his last year in Cleveland. Uh, everything else looked up when, when he was with the Jets from 2013 to 2016. Uh, but yeah, he's another guy that I feel like would really uh, come in and, and not be uh, a detriment on rundowns which is really what I see happening with a lot of the other guys that we have on the inside, uh, yeah. not really being able to, to fill those gaps. Uh, but and then again, that's not really what they're going to be asked to do is fill gaps. They're, they're, they're going to be asked to penetrate, but I think he's got the athleticism uh, to, 
really work his way back. You have to keep leverage uh, on offensive linemen and to not and to be able to do enough uh, where he's, to where this defensive line isn't getting blown off the off the line like they were last year. Yeah, I think he would be a huge help for that um, run defense, pass rush, all of that. One thing with his numbers, um, which again, this is why Matt, I always think it's so funny when we get not that it's as a disagreement or an argument at all, but how we see the game and how we think of things from different sides, the Vikings defensive line runs a ton of stunts, a ton of twists, a lot of schemed pressures to where when they get in passing downs, they're trying to make plays happen with sacks and they're not so much just, okay, go get after it. We're trying to outthink you. At least they were under Zimmer. I know he's not there anymore, but that's the most recent we can judge. And when Sheldon Richardson was there, um, so I think in a lot of ways, Sheldon Richardson was the setup guy and they would have someone like Daniel Hunter or Everson Griffin or, you know, any of the other guys in their defensive line be able to come in and make plays. And I think Sheldon Richardson was more of the guy kind of distracting and taking up some attention. So I think in a sub role, he could be a fit. And even still, like we were talking about, we're talking about depth. We're talking about backups here. So even if he's not a world beater, even if he's not, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber player, he's a backup defensive lineman that'll help against the run, and the Jets need that very badly. Absolutely, uh, I I can agree more. Uh, I like everything he brings, and he's had his troubles uh, off the field, uh, but I, I think he's he's put in a bunch of solid years without any issues, and I, it seems like uh, the the team has been able to get past. Uh, that a little bit, and they've taken some chances on guys with uh, some shady uh, pass. Yeah, um, we've seen them do that now. Uh, it seems to have been the theme of the offseason is the Jets aren't going to always go for the choir boys. So if if the talent is there, if the money lines up, I'd be all for it. All right, Matt, I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, thank you all so much for listening. And unfortunately, I do have a bit of a sad announcement. We are going to start moving to to uh, every other week for our podcast over the summer. Just try and stretch out the availability for some things to happen. Get some better, bigger episodes for you guys. Rather than just try and fill in some time every week and come up with some topics, we're going to get some bigger things planned, have some much better conversations for you guys. Just might be a little less often. But thank you again so much for listening. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 on Twitter. Matt, go ahead and drop your handle and we can wrap this one up. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And make sure you guys follow at OKD Podcast as well. Make sure to keep up with all the updates there. Thank you again so much for listening. It has been a heck of a draft season, a heck of an offseason overall. And now we're just in the period of waiting. But it is nice to be waiting and be optimistically waiting and hopeful that it is to be dreading the future. Uh, thank you again. We'll be back real, real soon. Bye-bye. 